God bless you all. Coming up, honor and promise, change of culture since the 1940s, reason of failed relationships, integrity, forgiveness, empathy, and a word from our guest speakers. If you want to know more, stick around. We're going to talk about marriages. So my uh, my wife, uh, Minister Marie, and I welcome our special guest, uh, Pastor Louis Angelet Santiago from Connecticut, and Apostle Enrique uh, and Lourdes Navai uh, from just down the street. <laughs> we give special honor to our pastors of the House of God, the House of Worship, Pastor Jose Martinez and Pastor and Prophetess Melly Martinez. The presentation of this marriage conference is at the request of our Lord, Father God. May we have a praise for our God. I will open with the scripture written in God's words in the Bible. And in Matthew chapter 19, verse 4 through 6, the scripture says, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. And that's in Matthew chapter 19, verse 4 through 6. And in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 through 27, the scripture says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. And again, that's in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 through 27. Interesting enough, I should say, interestingly enough, the venue for our marriage conference is nearly in the same place my wife and I lived in our first year of marriage, just up the street, about 20 years ago. Moreover, it's my oldest son's nephew's wedding anniversary today on March 12th. He's six foot two, but he'll always be my little CJ. Cute boy with nice children of his own and a beautiful wife, Joanne. Ten years they have been married. Ten years they have been married. Uh, let's talk about the words honor and promise. Honor and promise. Let's talk about that. Uh, write those words into your heart. It's part of the language God uses along with love. We're going to talk about honor and promise. The title of today's conference is The Marks of Marriage and the Footprints of Its Legacy. I'll say that again. The Marks of Marriage and the Footprints of Its Legacy. What do we mean by that? The Marks of Marriage. That means, the Marks of Marriage, that means the elements of marriage. Okay, these are the real elements of marriage. Uh, number two, the footprints. The footprints is the evidence. You walk on sand and you see evidence you were there. That's what it is. That's what footprints are. Okay, and the legacy is what you leave behind for others to see. So when we say the marks of marriage and the footprints of its legacy, we are talking about the elements of marriage and the evidence of what marriage that we are to leave behind. 
That's what it is. So when we say the marks of marriage and the footprints of its legacy, it, we are talking about the elements of marriage and the evidence of marriage that we are to leave behind. And so what does that mean? It means that our marriage is to be a model for others. We are to shine God's light. That's what our marriage is. It's God's light. It means that we, what we do in our marriage can shape the culture of marriage for others. Did you hear me say culture? We're going to talk more about that later. You know, people look at my wife and I walk into a Walgreens, and weeks later they tell us uh, what they saw impacted them. You know, we didn't know they saw us. That's happened a lot of times. Others at church might see my wife clearing anointing oil off my polished head and smile with admiration to the love they see. My wife noticed that. I had oil in my eyes, so I missed it. <laughs> and perhaps when people just see my wife or just see me, they see both of the us in their hearts. That is because we have become one. Now, I could just stand here and tell you that after the tragic events of 9-11 with fearful Americans, I met an illegal alien who didn't speak English and married her in six months, and we've been together for 20 years. Okay, during the 20th anniversary, the graphic images and stories reminded me of the fearful culture Americans had against illegal aliens. And of course, 20 years ago, in the middle of all that, I met such one such illegal alien and married her in six months. Yep, that happened. As amazing as that is, that's not why I'm, I'm here. I already told the story on November 5th at our couples meeting that Friday night. It's a workshop at Enterprise College. Yesterday in European countries, we talked about fighting for your marriage. Uh, the example was to fight for the reality of true love and marriage when the cultural atmosphere of 9-11 had our families and federal immigration officials in Boston try to pull us apart. Our marriage started with a fight that goes on to today. But that's not why I'm here. That's not why I'm here at all. If you want, just read the book or listen to my album, We Have No Secrets. No, instead, I'm here to tell you about culture and how culture affects marriages. Did you hear me say culture? Our story begins a year before the end of World War II in 1944 at just under an altitude of 324 meters. That's about 1063 feet. We're on board a Liberator B-24 uh, moving at 482 kilometers per hour. Uh, uh, that's about 300 miles uh, per hour. Um, the young Navy lieutenant piloting the large four-engine bomber fortress was circling the Eiffel Tower in Paris, France, returning from Germany to the air base uh, used by Americans in England. It was a different time. It was a time of honor for your family. It was a time when a promise meant something. The Navy lieutenant promised to marry a woman bearing a child. The woman's fiancé asked the lieutenant to marry the woman just as he was dying, uh, just so that there would be a father in the family. It's a wedding announcement. It was in the newspaper in wedding of Western Massachusetts. Honor is not seen today, but honor to family and a promise to preserve family was made back then. At childbirth, uh, I should say it was made, uh, was made back then. At childbirth, the woman with the child joined her fiancé in heaven as both mother and child had died in the hospital. It was not God's plan. What we learn about honor and promise 
from World War II. It was all about family. So you see, my father was not married in the 1940s. It was in the 1950s he met a woman, my mother, on a commercial airliner in October. He was not the pilot, of course, but it was a four-engine propeller Douglas DC-6 that was typical of the day. Three months later, they were married, and during their 58 years before their passing, they had nine children. Yes, you heard me say three months. Yep. Yes, that was God's plan. It was a cultural time of honor and promise. So an honor is of principles of what is right. A promise is for what was right. Well, God knows what's right. Give God a praise. So God teaches us honor and promise. Oh, there are those words again, honor and promise. It's something we used to see more of, but less today. Let's fast forward about a half a century to today. Honor and promise. Those words aren't heard today. We hear the way children speak to their parents. We see skyrocketing divorce rates with custody battles in court. No honor and, and promise. We live in a world where there's conflict, anxiety, and anger that has, con that has conquered cultural norms. Think about that. Conflict, anxiety, and anger. Those are three words. Three words, three behaviors that separate conflict, anxiety, and anger. Is that of God? No. So what is the result? The conflict, anxiety, and anger have made divorce rates of 50% for first-time marriages and 60% of second-time marriages. With God, all that can be avoided. The story of my wife and I prove it. Not even the federal government could not push immigration policy along with conflict, anxiety and anger upon the marriage of my wife and I during the sensitive season of 9-11. God is in the middle of our marriage. The federal government tried to write our story during the season of deportation during 9-11. Instead, God wrote our story, uh, and we share it around the world. So here are the reasons why relationships fail. Number one, not putting each other first. That's number one, not putting each other first. Once you marry, make each other a priority. This doesn't mean sticking together like glue. However, instead, think of your marriage and the rest of your obligations as a system of checks and balances. If you notice that all the time is spent working or running after the kids, take time to try a few things to make sure you actually spend time together that goes beyond crashing on the couch. Date night, like dinner, works out. My wife and I go out Sunday nights. That's what we do. Number two, weak communication. Weak communication is number two. It's very important to say things that are bothering you as they come up. Don't let it be bottled up. Otherwise, you're brewing a recipe for resentment and fights that you have literally crying over silly things. Screaming matches or shutting down and refusing to talk are equally unhealthy ways to argue. Learn to talk about disappointments without blaming. Blame games don't work. Okay, number three, keeping secrets. Keeping secrets is number three. Make a point to talk about your day and worries, innocent as they may be. Perhaps you're self-conscious that you didn't get that promotion and now feel guilty because you self-medicated with retail therapy. <laughs> you like that? That's a shopaholics, retail therapy. Keeping quiet about your hidden habits is not healthy as it can become habitual. That means it's enabled and will be able to continue. When you feel hurt if your partner told little white lies to, relationships are built on trust. It's all about integrity. And if you don't 
own up to those little things, it's going to be a lot harder to get to the guts to tackle important conversations. Number four, poor boundaries with family or friends. Family and friends have a time and a place and should not invade your life. While both groups of people are important, if either of you feels a bit claustrophobic, it's time to learn how to say no. Everyone needs space and that includes boundaries. What's more, minimize conversations about your private life outside the marriage. Tempting as it may be to vent, the listening party will probably make a bigger deal out of your issues and share it with others. Uh, number five, never apologizing or admitting that you are wrong. You know, uh, love story took the love means never having to say you're sorry a bit too far. We're all adults here, and if you do something wrong or hurt feelings, you need uh, to apologize. Sure, it's easier to make excuses for her behavior or worse, flip the situation, blame the other person. But you're not in kindergarten anymore. So that's one of the reasons why we say if you never apologize or admitting that you are wrong, that's a bad thing in a relationship. Um, so uh, let's think about that. Let's think about apologizing, admitting that you are wrong. We can do that. Uh, and the next one is not showing gratitude. This is number six, not showing gratitude. Saying thank you for the things your spouse is doing, even if you are expected um, him a chores. Uh, gratitude goes a long way, especially when one of you is stuck doing something annoying like filling out tax forms. Even if your partner enjoys mowing the lawn, don't underestimate the power of showing appreciation for perfect, perfectly manicured grass. Uh, and number seven, this behavior of jealousy. There's a big difference between asking about his day and grilling him about every moment he's not with you, he or she. When your husband or wife mentions uh, that a new account manager started at his firm, you should not follow up with, is she pretty or is he pretty or is he handsome? We all have insecurities, but inconsistently jealous behavior and manipulative comments create obvious weird tear on your relationships. Uh, number eight, forgetting church. Bad thing, forgetting church. Don't ignore the church. Spiritual guidance is for all of us. Sometimes working through uh, marriage problems on your own just doesn't work. But don't call it quits until you try resolving your issues with a pastor or minister. Listening is a powerful tool, and a mediator is so important to bring two sides together. Pastors and ministers have seen it all and can advise as well as help you better see your partner's perspective. The sooner you get help, the better. Don't let the volcano blow. So let's recap. Let's review. Why do, does a marriage fail? Why does a marriage fail? Well, we talked about, number one, not putting each other first. Number two, weak communication. Number three, keeping secrets. Number four, poor boundaries with family or friends. Number five, never apologizing or admitting that you are wrong. Number six, not showing gratitude. Number seven, uh, behavior uh, jealousy. Number eight, forgetting the church. So how do you fix all these things? How do you fix that? Easy. Don't do those things. It's kind of like when you tell the doctor, it hurts when I do this, and he tells you, don't do that. Okay. Now, before I spoke uh, about honor and promise, those are words that are forgotten in today's culture. The behavior of honor and promise create integrity. Say integrity. Another word not so common uh, is uh, integrity. We've got to think about that. Uh, integrity is 
part of a communication that relates to trust. Can you say trust? Allow the word integrity to soak into your bones. Allow your bones to absorb in integrity. Let's talk about integrity in marriage. During the wedding ceremony, the vows that are stated include something relating to trustworthiness. It is a statement of integrity put forth as a promise. A promise not kept is a failure of integrity. Integrity is developed in a marriage when the wedding vows are preserved inside the life of the marriage because it is a promise given before saying the wedding ceremonial words, I do. If integrity fails in a marriage, then the promises made before the marriage are null and void. It's as if it's never happened. This is a case where the promises made during a ceremonial act of marriage are false and meant nothing. That being said, the integrity of the marriage has completely failed. Now, integrity is, su is such an integral part of communication. How can a marriage exist without communication on the foundation of integrity created by the promise made during a wedding ceremony? Living life together long-term requires a significant amount of communication which stands on the integrity built on the promises of the wedding vows. Therefore, the ceremonial act under God with the promises of commitment is built upon the whole philosophy. That is what integrity is all about. Now, with integrity comes forgiveness. Say forgiveness. Think about it. Forgiveness is a type of communication that creates unity in marriage. You probably didn't know that forgiveness and unity go together. With forgiveness, there is unity. With unity, there is forgiveness. That's how that works. Let's talk about forgiveness in marriage. An argument or conflict is a battle where one side tries to be the winner. Okay, see how that works? For a married couple, there is no winner if one side tries to be the winner. A married couple is a single unit. They're one under God. If one side tries to be the winner, then the result is division, and that is not what a marriage is all about. It must be known up front that in marriages, there are no winners or losers in any argument or conflict. Forgiveness is the only path towards resolution when it comes to married couples. Forgiveness is a two-way street. People who understand the need to forgive recognize that they themselves need to be forgiven too. This means that people who want to be right in their ways recognize that their spouse wants to be right in their ways too. The fault of a mistake for a married couple is not one-sided, but best found in the middle with equal responsibility from both parties. In conflict resolution, forgiveness must flow both ways from one spouse to the other. And with forgiveness comes empathy. Empathy. What is that? It's putting yourself in the other person's shoes. It's outside-the-box thinking. It's outside-of-the-box thinking. Think of that. It's outside-of-the-box uh, thinking. In simple terms, empathy is putting yourself in the other person's shoes. It's an understanding of the emotions that a person has had. The implementation of empathy requires respect for others without attention to self. Empathy is not a sign of selfishness. Empathy allows for understanding both sides of the story instead of just your own. Understanding one side of a complex issue will in no way help resolve a conflict that may arise in a marriage. Empathy is the tool to allow understanding of the other side. For empathy to flow effectively, communication must be in place 
so that both husband and wife understand not only their side of the situation, but also their spouse's side of the situation equally as well. The diet in communication is a focus of understanding not of self, but of the big picture, which goes beyond self. It is a mature way of thinking. So that's the deal. So what did we talk about today? We talked about honor and promise, change of culture since the 1940s, reasons of failed uh, relationships, integrity, forgiveness, and empathy. There's more to come, but first, I will share with you my wife's top 10 list of how to take care of your marriage. Number one, we need to have Jesus in the center. Number two, we must work on our bad temperament. Number three, we need to have communication. Number four, trust your spouse. Number five, spend time together. Number six, surprise your spouse with something special. Number seven, don't go to bed angry. Number eight, we need to ask for forgiveness because we can't open doors to the enemy to destroy our marriage. Number nine, time to time, kiss and say, I love you. And number 10, remember, love is the language of God. And I thank you for joining me. I look forward to seeing you next time.